Ed, how you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm, as you can see, I'm fully committed and invested to the concept of talking about Manchester United today. Oh, you love I it. Do. I do. You, you love it. <laughs> and how do you how do you rate United's performance yesterday at West Ham? Uh, so, I mean, he's got to go, right? He's just got. To, he's got. To, he's just got he's to got, go because this isn't getting any to, better. No, no, it's too, it's toxic now. It's got to the point where, um, I, I mean, look, you can you can blame the players for underperforming yesterday. You can blame the referee, which is what Jose Mourinho did. <laughs> I think I was stretching it somewhat, um, but you cannot blame anyone else but Jose Mourinho for the absolute insanity of that team selection and the tactics he deployed and the substitutions he made. It's all on him, that. All on him. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes sometimes you can... We, I definitely think we've done this over the last few years of assigning too much responsibility to the manager and not enough responsibility to the players. But uh, the referee didn't put Scott McTominay as part of a back three. And then switch it up so it was just him and Smalling at centre-back. I mean, you know, remember when Guardiola left uh, six players on the substitute bench and it felt like it was a bit of a dig at the board? Harry Redknapp did that once as well, I think. Yeah. But but never has there been a stupid and more self-destructive dig at the board than playing Scott McTominay at centre-back. Oh, just mental. And, of course, he praised McTominay afterwards, but that was very Trumpian of him. Um, it was No, it was just insanity. I mean, you've got £30 million defender, Eric Bailly, who, who's not perfect, but actually was United's best defender last season, and I think when he was fit. And he's now fit, and he's not playing. And you've got Victor Lindelof, who's pulled off uh, during the game, who's been uh, um, Mourinho's go-to guy, and who is not perfect either by any stretch, but is improving. Um and then you got uh, Smalling, Jones, and Rojo were all fit, right? So full complement of fit um, first team defenders. And Axel Tunzebi, who's a, a very talented young player, uh, also available. Is, isn't uh, he on loan somewhere? I don't. I don't think so. Is he? I'm pretty sure he went on loan again. Oh, okay. All right. I'm lying about that. But he's got five full full time defenders, all fit and available to play. And McTominay plays in a back three, back three that United don't play very often and when they do play it's about five and it was definitely about five at West Ham um, because uh, United were on the back foot from the get-go uh, and and then McTominay who did okay on the ball but he's definitely not a natural defender and, and West Ham's third goal clearly shows that I mean go go look at the replay I mean he is in the wrong position completely leaves like a 30-yard gap um, and uh, and you know it was a it was a comedy goal to concede, but entirely down to Jose. I don't blame McTominay for that. No, he's a he's a twenty year old central midfielder and one who's done okay at United, but only made eight starts in the Premier League, uh, and he shouldn't have been in that position ever. The the first goal is also um, McTominay plays a huge role in that as well, and this is not. This is not bashing the kid. The, the the kid shouldn't be anywhere near this position. But the um, even though it was probably offside, it would have been a trivially easy decision for the linesman to flag it as offside if McTominay had been in line with the rest of the defence. He's half a yard behind the rest of the defence in the in the offside line. So you know that that's. 
I mean, it's a completely, that's right at the beginning of the game, probably the first time he's, I mean, I don't know if he ever played centre-back for the youth team, but he's he definitely hasn't played centre-back for the senior team. So his first ever start at centre-back, a few minutes in, and he's out of position when the team's playing a kind of offside trap. You know, that's that's the manager. That, but, the, but never mind the manager's absolutely ridiculous decision-making... It's the toxicity. It's out of control. Mm-hmm. You don't, it doesn't come back from here. It doesn't, it doesn't, you don't get to this point with like, there are stories today about the, that him having a massive go at Sanchez in front of the whole dressing room, doing all the papers. Um, I've only half seen this, but there's some quote yesterday where he's saying, everyone's saying Martial, Martial, Martial. Well, he didn't make any difference, did he? When actually, I, I was out for the first half because I could not be bothered. And uh, due to various live stuff, I didn't have time to do some of the things I need. So I only listened to the first half on the radio. But in the second half, Marcel was like skinning players for fun. That move that he pulled off um, on the touchline was better than anything Alexis Sanchez has done for United so far that wasn't against Manchester City. You know, and, and then he just took Martial off and then slagged him off. Again, kind of providing the conditions for the players he doesn't like to fail it's got to the point where there is no point keeping him in the job at this point. Oh, no, none, none at all. None at all. I mean, I think the only pushback that we're now seeing is two, twofold. Well, it's not uh, totally Jose's fault. Look at the board. Look at the out-of-date structure yep. uh, at United. And that's all true, yep. right? Board um, who refused to buy the players that the manager wanted this, uh, this summer and uh, a CEO who <coughs> thinks he's a director of football. Um, which is a problem, although, you know, of course, there's been a fair bit of money spent in previous summers. Um, and Jose, having come second last season, got a £50 million central midfielder this summer. Um, but, yeah, um, problem in structurally in United um, and uh, a lot of money wasted in the years since Ferguson retired on players who weren't good enough or didn't fit uh, or trophy signings. Absolutely, everyone knows that there's a failure of structure. Uh, attitude of some of the players um, it clearly is now translating onto the pitch although I think um, Jose Mourinho's decision to um, to slash and burn this summer uh, has translated it all the way into the dressing room we see factions coming out um, the war that Jose Mourinho started with uh, Paul Pogba has uh, affected the dressing room as well right so there's a whole bunch of other factors but then there's the manager right so Control for everything else. Has Jose Mourinho got to the point where he's adding or taking away from United's performance right now? And and my argument would be now um, that there is nothing that could be worse than sacking Jose Mourinho, right? Nothing. I mean, like, like than keeping him, sorry. Right, you, you fire him now and it doesn't get worse. It just can't. You know, uh, it will be a weight off many, many players' shoulders. It would probably free up Paul Pogba to actually, you know, give a about uh, things or more of a about things um, for the rest of the, his time at United, the six months or so <laughs> yeah. that he might have left. Um, and, you know, it, it'd liberate the rest of the squad, the younger players who uh, there's a massive cloud over uh, and players such as Anthony Martial and now Alexis Sanchez have fallen out with the manager. So I, I, just, I just can't see anything bad coming. You know, the only pushback... You, you can really have now is, oh, well, who would replace him? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Of course, you want to get the right long-term solution in. Um, but uh, right now, you can give it to Giggsy and it'd be fine. 
yeah, give it to Michael Carrick till the end of the season. Um, the the thing about the the argument that the the problems aren't just Mourinho at the club is that anyone who thinks that the problems at Man United are just Mourinho is obviously silly. But that doesn't mean that Mourinho isn't a problem. And there are some of the problems at United that you can't do anything about, and he's one of the ones that you can do something about. And I think this is a point that you've made to me um, time and again, and it's that that if there are big structural problems, you need someone who's going to do the best with what he's got. And Mourinho is doing the Mourinho is making United less than the sum of their parts by a considerable margin. And the sum of their parts isn't amazing. So listen, he won two trophies in his first season in charge. And that was a massive achievement. And it had an awful lot to do with the arrival of Slatan Ibrahimovic, I think, and the kind of boost that that gave to the club and the sheer number of goals he scored. Um, and the kind of general I don't know, the certainty of presence that he provided. In the second season, we finished second, but never and 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 it is there is some measure of that which is which is a significant achievement, the finishing second. It's by far the best league position since Fergie went. It's something that you said, I don't know if it was at the end of last season, that no other manager probably could have got United to that position so quickly or very few managers could have got United back to that position so quickly. But look at the underlying data about where we finished last season. You were talking about, um, you said this last week, but David United's XG conceded was something like 16 more than the goals they conceded and a huge amount of... I mean, we saw David De Gea was absolutely extraordinary for especially like the second half of last season. So that that second finish was not all that. It really wasn't all that. It wasn't like we were brilliant. We had a degree of efficiency, and that's that's basically it. But we looked pretty calamitous defensively for most of last season, even though our in the end our defensive numbers were great in terms of goals conceded. But we looked calamitous for loads of it. And this season, we've just looked calamitous all the way through this season. Nothing, nothing positive's changed. It's just that the toxicity has grown and grown and grown. And it is time. Like if the board had anything about them, if Woodward had anything about him, he'd be sacked this week because you acting quickly here is much more because this is Mourinho. We're talking about not, this isn't like a knee jerk reaction to a few results. This is, Jose Mourinho conforming to type a hundred percent. We're in the third season. It does not get better from here. No, it doesn't. United have already lost three of seven games. And uh, as it stands, I wouldn't be surprised if we'd lost six or seven by the time it gets to Christmas. You know, I just I, I, I'm not going to be surprised if United lose to Valencia in the, in the week um, at all. And, and we've got some tough games coming up, you know, playing Chelsea and City before uh, the end of November. Um, so, you know, of, of course, there, there are massive problems now, massive problems. And um, it, the the toxicity stems from the summer. Um, and, you know, the, Mourinho's way of managing is to create conflict, right? He, with that tension, he thinks he creates performances. And it, it's true throughout his career, he has, of course, created outstanding performances. Um, but when it goes wrong, which is right now, it's going wrong, um, he's burning all his relationships and he doesn't have any left. So uh, I, I'm going to bet there aren't too many within that dressing room who'd run through a wall for Jose Mourinho 
right now. Um, so, yeah, but I, I don't expect the club to sack him um, for two reasons. One, they're pretty conservative. Actually, there, there haven't been knee-jerk reactions. So uh, uh, the sacking of Van Gaal was planned for some time, clearly. Um, even, you know, <laughs> and they, they just triggered it on the day the season finished. Well, the minutes the season finished as he was walking up the steps. Um, Moyes, they sacked him the day that United couldn't make fourth place or very soon after, you know. So I don't expect them to to pull the trigger very quickly, um, but it would it would be a good decision to do so. Um, and, uh, and, and that's not, you know, again... For those who when I shouted me on Twitter, that's not because Mourinho is solely at fault. It's just it can't get better from here with Mourinho in charge, um, uh, and and you know they're just they're pretty conservative and pretty slow moving the United hierarchy. So I don't expect them to do it. And then the second reason uh, is just I'm I'm quite sure that Mourinho has a clause in his contract that allows them you know that new five year contract he's signed and he's a year into it that allows them to get rid of him if United don't make the Champions League and right now that's looking like a long shot isn't it seven games into the season um so um and that will save him about 20 million pounds wasn't the contract was a small extension on his existing contract wasn't it it wasn't like yeah it's an extra two years okay an extra two years okay I mean the thing is, the, the kind of chump change of twenty million pounds for United. Like, I get, I get. If you're running a business and you can save twenty million pounds, you probably do. But the cost of that twenty million pounds could be absolutely catastrophic. Because there's only so many times Woodward can kind of like sidle up to Paul Pogba and go, listen, don't worry, don't worry, we're getting rid of him. As soon as your your team that you play for is mathematically unable to be in the Champions League next season, we'll get rid of him. So don't worry, everything's fine. Like, it's not a good message, is it? You know, um, so and it's not just Pogba, because like, obviously there's loads of people that just hate Pogba now, United fans. Um, and that's very upsetting and I would argue slightly ridiculous even though he's not doing himself any favours. Loads of stories today in all the papers that, you know, um, this comes from from the Daily Record, which means it comes from castles, um, <laughs> and that's uh, that Pogba is prepared to take this as far as it goes. Pogba's prepared to refuse to play for Mourinho, you know. I mean, the fact that he played Pogba yesterday was kind of significant, but the fact that he took mm. him off after six Took him off minutes. for Fred. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was very pointed. You know, United desperately needing goals <laughs> and uh, and they take off the most creative player. You know, I mean, Pogba had three shots yesterday. He didn't actually uh, create any chances or anything like that. But uh, I, I, I thought um, the, the, the one moment that summed up Pogba's time in the, the team yesterday, he got the ball down the left-hand side and he's... Looking up and looking up, looking for a pass, looking for a pass, looking for a pass. Uh, ends up taking on his man um, and uh, goes to take on the second man. He's like knocked out for a throw. And he just like throws his arm up, Cristiano Ronaldo style, in frustration. That is just static in front of him. Yeah. I mean, look, look uh, at the team yesterday. And there were seven key passes, only one by a, an attacking player. Uh, the other three were from... Um, uh, the other six, sorry, were from Young and from Shaw, right? The crosses coming in. You know, United created almost nothing. Mm. Uh, Lukaku, as we talked about last week, was completely out of form. I mean, he's just, when he's out of form, he doesn't move and he didn't move. Uh, Martial got the ball and ran with it, you know, but um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he had his best game, which is a shame because, you know, of course, we're both 
big fans of Anthony Martial. Um, Pogba, you know, frustrated with everyone around him. Uh, Fellaini and Matic were there just to, to try and break things up. You know, it's just kind of... Anyway. I um, I was just looking up United's XG. Brilliant goal for Marcus Rashford. What a fin. One of, one of the one of those goals that would be like one of the great lost goals that no one ever thinks about because it was in such an abysmal game. But absolutely astonishing piece of skill, really, to be able to do that kind of little flick. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, came out of nothing, of course. Yeah, corner. Um, and... But yeah, but I mean, like that talent. Just just an aside before before you make your point. Um, he's hardly ever starting games in his right position. This is just symptomatic of Jose Mourinho. He bitched and moaned and bitched and moaned and got the player he wanted, Alexis Sanchez, who's been absolute dog for United, the player earning whatever he's earning, right? Just been awful. And not only has he been awful, but he's burned two other players at the same time, you know? And this is this is the kind of, oh, no, you know, it's not all Mourinho's fault. This is, you know, one of the things that destroys that argument, you know? Three players into less than one player. Yeah. And then Mourinho has done that. So the, the United's XG, I looked it up and I couldn't believe how high it was. It's like 0.87, not bad. But 0.45 of that, so like, what, more than half of the XG that United created came from that one Marwan Fellaini header that was well saved. <laughs> like, that's the state, the absolute state of United at the moment. And, you know, so the game itself, I mean, catastrophic, catastrophic defending just and and who among us was surprised when we so everyone looks at the team sheet and is like is McTominay playing on the right of a 4-2-3-1 that that looked like it could possibly be what was happening or is Matic going to be playing as part of a back five and you've got McTominay Fellaini and Pogba but even so I mean how Scott McTominay there's no reason McTominay should be in that starting 11 in any position but McTominay is the official designated point maker of Jose Mourinho. He played him against Sevilla when he wanted to make him a point. He gave him the Player of the Year award when he wanted to make a point. And he played him yesterday when he wanted to make a point. And the point he made was stupid and didn't need making. And it cost United dearly. And Mourinho will do that to make a point. Yeah, United conceded six goals, five, three goals yesterday. I'm can't get my numbers <laughs> right today. Three goals yesterday. Playing a back six, basically, because Matic was so deep. So deep. Yeah. You know, and 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 and, and Mourinho clearly doesn't trust his defenders because when he doesn't trust his defenders, he goes even more conservative. But it just gave all the momentum from West to West Ham from from the kickoff, right? From the kickoff, it looked like it was no surprise when United conceded five minutes in. You know, it was like they were trying to hold a one nil lead in the Champions League final in the last five minutes, right? That's how they started the game. It was insane, <laughs> you know, alongside this absolute mental system that that he came out you know it's it's just but that's what Mourinho does when he doesn't trust his place but he's not helping them he's chopping and changing the system constantly constantly two years in more than two years in now you know he was appointed in what May 2016 so it's it's almost two and a half years since he had plenty of time to think about what he was going to do with the squad leading up to it because everyone knew he was getting the job yeah it's it's just it's we're so far and so deep into it. I cannot see any scenario possible in, in which we get better. And, you know, as I said, I think that the club won't fire him straight away. 
Uh, but if we lose six or seven Premier League games by Christmas, I won't be surprised at all. But the, the thing is, uh, one of the things that's going to happen, this is what happened in the Van Gaal season, is everything looked like it was going to, it was absolutely falling apart at the seams. But then they just rescued a few results here and there and prolonged prolonged it. And then, I mean, the FA Cup run was great. And we were on the FA Cup and it's nice for Louis and all that. And I was, I was very delighted by that. But, you know, you said you wouldn't be surprised if we lose to Valencia. Well, I don't think anyone would, would they? But I also wouldn't be surprised if we beat Valencia. And then everything starts to change in the terms of the narrative. But actually, nothing's actually changed. You mentioned the chopping and changing. And before the West Ham game, I, I said last week, like, is he going to do the thing that he does when it's starting to go wrong, which is tweak the system and get a result? But instead, he tweaked the system and it was a total disaster. You know, we're waiting for the Mourinho masterclasses. This is the opposite of a Mourinho masterclass this is him like um changing it to deal with a specific threat but in an absolutely sort of broken way and and the origin of all his decision making is the toxicity and the ego you know he 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 used Martial in the post-match to make a point about him dropping Sanchez when actually he dropped Sanchez because Sanchez has been rubbish and Sanchez has been rubbish he should be dropped I mean, he was not even in the squad. But the thing is, he's not not in the squad because he's rubbish. He's not in the squad because something's gone on behind the scenes. Because Mourinho doesn't drop Alexis Sanchez for being rubbish. We know that, you know. No, that's right. That's right. Uh, Just another example of Mourinho, you know, watching Old Trafford burn. (laughs) Yeah. Was Jesse Lingard even in the squad yesterday? I don't think he was. Mm. I don't think he was on the bench. Um, Yeah, I don't remember. But... uh, I also don't understand. No, he, no, he wasn't. Also, so uh, Rashford, Mata, Fred, Damian, Herrera, Lee Grant and, and Eric Bailly. So I also don't really understand what Ashley Young's doing at right back in that game. Like, is Valencia injured or or is, is he falling out with the manager too? Maybe he's injured, I don't know. Um, I, I Wasn't in the squad, so maybe. And then, but Dello had played really well. But, I mean, it's not like an absolutely terrible decision to play Young instead of Dallo, given the kind of unknown quantity. But it's not the decision I would have made. Not that that matters, but you know what I mean? It's just just everywhere's a mess. Midfield's a complete mess. Like, totally... Um, And on the West Ham side of things, um, uh, Nautovic is looking like the forward that uh, Mourinho wanted. Uh, had a very good game, come back from knee injury. Um, he's uh, He looks way more mobile than he did at Stoke. Anyway, he looks like a very intelligent forward yesterday. And Felipe Anderson uh, seems to be warming up to the English game. Very, very, very talented player, isn't he? Yeah. Yarmolenko, just so direct. Uh, they've, they've had a good summer. I mean, we talked about this before, didn't mm. we? They've got some good players there, I think. They, uh, I don't know that they have a natural centre-forward. I'm not sure Anatovic is a natural centre-forward, but he's, uh, he's done pretty well there. And, of course, uh, we talked about Rice last um, last week. Uh, a centre-back playing in centre-midfield, looking incredibly composed. Uh, we had a centre-midfielder playing at centre-back, not looking very composed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this is the the current state of play. I, I mean, listen. I just want to get this point on the record again. This is not Scott McTominay's fault. Like he he couldn't have been asked to do better than he did. He's just it was just ridiculous to try and ask him to do what he did. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I the only positive from that game was the Rashford goal. 
and the kind of sense that we might be building towards something from that goal. But it was immediately sacrificed into a negative by one of the most hilariously terrible pieces of defending you'll ever see in all of your life for West Ham's third. And and what could have summed up United's false dawn current situation more than us getting back in the game and then immediately surrendering any momentum? Like That's just mwah, perfect encapsulation of where United are at right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um... Oh, I feel I have run out of invective <laughs> to talk talk about. It. I, I just, just infuriating. I, I just, I, I cannot. It blows my mind how insane yesterday was, and and the petty, childish, childish points that Mourinho is making. You know, yeah. and he's making them in team selection. Playing Scott McTominay at the back—that's not sensible in anyone's anyone's coaching manual. That's that's not good coaching. That is. Making a point to Ed Woodward, who's sitting in the stands with Patrice Evra. Uh, you know, I'd give it to Patrice Evra for the season rather than Mourinho, to be honest. <laughs> um, that was the point he was making. He made the point again with his substitutions, you know, with uh, Pogba, but also pulling off Lindelof. Uh, and then he made the point again uh, in the post-match when he praised Diop at West Ham, saying, oh, you've got to really... Uh, yeah, you know, look at their uh, their scouting staff. There, they've they've bought a monster. You know, just child, child yeah. he is, um, and he's a child who's failing to get results. Which at the end is what apparently all that matters with Mourinho. You know, and you take everything with Mourinho, and the 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 flip side of all the drama and the ego and the narcissism and the pettiness and the destruction of. Uh, the dressing room that always happens, we always predicted. And the flip side of that has to be results. And if he's not getting it, what's the point? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, even though we're recording this on a Sunday morning, uh, which is not when we normally record podcasts, Ed's put out the call for Twitter questions. Have we received any? I know we had 56 in the 20 minutes uh, that you did last week. I suspect it's fewer this week. Uh, We've got a few. We've got a few. So at Full Time Devils says, uh, you might have heard of them. Yeah, familiar with their work. Familiar with their work. Uh, one for Paul. Hashtag remove the curse. No. The, the, the bothering Michael Owen has to stop. Um, so I said on a Full Time Devils episode that um, Michael Owen had cursed the number seven shirt at Manchester United. And then on, on a Red Devils on Reddit, on the the Red Devils thread this week, somebody pointed out that uh, number sevens at United have scored 13 league goals since Cristiano Ronaldo left. I don't think abusing Michael Owen on Twitter is going to do the job, though. And also, Michael Owen is the number seven who has scored the most league goals since Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> left. Please, just please. We should just retire it, shouldn't yeah. we? Give it to OG. <laughs> <laughs> OG must have scored a lot more than... I'm pretty sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mikhail Osterdahl says, uh, why do we play Lindelof and Smalling at centre-back when Herrera and Fred were available? (laughs) Good point. Well made, Mikhail. Yeah, uh, I don't think we need to answer that one. (laughs) Brad Graham with a uh, Brad on here on Twitter uh, with a more sensible question. Um, Most realistic outcome for this season now is... 
Give me a scenario, Paul. What do you think uh, the most realistic outcome is? Well, we've got two options, haven't we? Three. We've got the Van Gaal protocol, where we're, we, are ca- we are close enough to getting fourth that we somehow, that they can't sack the manager because they could save so much money if only he would finish fifth. Um, and it's so tantalisingly close. So we've got that. We've got the Moyes scenario, where it all goes catastrophically wrong and we're out of Europe by, you know, February. Um, and then we've got a newly invented Mourinho scenario, which is where Ed Woodward finally finds it in his tiny little feeble heart to actually make a decision for the good of the football club rather than the good of the financial club. Um, and mm-hmm. sacks Mourinho within the next couple of weeks and we get another... But there's one more scenario. This is the Jose scenario that he wants, yeah. which is uh, United spend an absolute tonne of money in January on some centre-backs, so, you know, Alderweireld, because Alderweireld's going to be uh, available for £25 million in June, so they, they dangle £40 million in front of Spurs' uh, you know, um, eyes and they take it and buy that and uh, buy another striker, which Mourinho wants, and buy a wide midfielder and, uh, and everything's uh, sunny and rosy uh, and United uh, finish comfortably in the top four and get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and win a, win a cup. But that's never going to happen because there's absolutely no way the board are going to back Mourinho with big money. And they shouldn't. You shouldn't give a child what they want when they throw a tantrum. This is this is not good management. It's not good parenting. Oh, yeah, it's but not- it's tempting. It's not good parenting, but believe me, as a parent, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's sometimes very tempting just to let the noise go away. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, it's the... it's. I completely agree with the people that say the board were ridiculous for not backing Mourinho in the summer, but the reason being you either have to back him or get rid of him. I mean, I'm I'm broken record territory here. I say this every week, but you have to do one or the other and they've done neither. And they're not going to, I think of the two options, like really rally behind Mourinho in January or sack him soon. And by Mm. soon, I mean before the end of the season, obviously that's going to happen. At Matt Mitchell 3 says, how do you fix the problem above the manager? And I, I think this comes to some of the discussion we were having earlier. I mean, there, were, there, was a, there were a few reports earlier in the season that United were looking for a director of football. That, that may say that they've finally realised that the club's structure um, is old-fashioned and they need to revamp that piece, certainly in terms of recruitment. I mean, there, there was a, a follow-up that said, uh, United were probably looking for a technical director more than a director of football, which might suggest um, it's a more limited scope role. Uh, I um, I kind of feel this might be Turkey's voting for Christmas. I'm not sure that Ed Woodward, having had a taste of power, really wants to reduce the scope of his role, which is what you'd be saying there, honestly, to have a proper director of football in place. Also, reducing the scope of Jose Mourinho's role, which he won't like either, right? So that is uh, that's a major decision. Um, and that would take, I think, someone above Edward Wood to make it. Um, and I'm not sure the Glazer family have the wherewithal or the uh, the sense um, to do that. Though, of course, in American sports, it is very, very common uh, to have the recruitment department and the general manager and the coach being completely different people mm. um, outside of the owner. So that kind of structure that we're talking about would be... Scouting and the sort of transfer market doesn't exist in American sports, any of them, even even uh, even MLS where everyone's centrally contracted. So, um, you know, but maybe they've got it after 10 years and not bothering to come to Old Trafford very often. So the, 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 I 
could not agree with you more about Woodward's reticence to reduce his scope. Everything that we know about Edward Wood tells us that he really, there's nothing, like I think the happiest moments in Edward Wood's professional life have been when there were all those memes of him being a baller and spending a load of money in that first Van Gaal summer. Like Edward Wood absolutely loved that. From everything we've heard behind the scenes, he just loves that vision of himself. So I think you're right about the turkeys voting for Christmas thing. I think the fact that it would undermine Mourinho literally doesn't matter anymore because I think um, Mourinho's finished at United. He he, you said it at the in the the season preview episode. He's a dead man walking at United. This has been uh, that last summer made it utterly clear that Mourinho is finished at United. So what's happening now just doesn't matter in the long term. So I don't think that's an impediment to bringing in a director of football. But I completely like even the, the the briefing changing from director of football to technical director. It's almost like Woodward's kind of briefing. Oh, I'm going to bring in the director of football because uh, you know there's going to be more more than just Jose making this like decisions here, and then suddenly realised, oh no, wait a minute, that means I won't get to have my good fun times. Mm. And 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 the real answer, of course, of how you actually fix the problem is you change the ownership, and that's just not going to happen. So you know the, the this is always going to be a risk. Look at Arsenal. So many of everyone blaming Wenger for Arsenal's problems, and like he was a disgrace by the end and should have gone a long time ago. But Arsenal's problems are endemic and are and structural, and you know, Wenger was fighting an uphill battle against a lot of those, you, right? But, but the what do we do? Because if you look at the top six, Arsenal are owned by a businessman that doesn't, you know, an American businessman that doesn't care about success, really. Uh, so are we. Um, Chelsea are owned by uh, someone whose money was very obviously... Stolen from the Russian people, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's now uh, an Israeli citizen, randomly, and, and he's looking to sell the club. And City are a PR outlet for a bunch of human rights abusers. Uh, that leaves Liverpool, who are owned by FSG, who seem to be actually the... Uh, and ownership who are interested in success as well as finance, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, at United's current share price and market cap, and given the premium you want for a purchase, it'd be about a £5 billion purchase, mm-hmm. I think, which would be a very good return for the Glazers on not spending very much of their own money. If you're a Patreon backer, we had uh, a long discussion about uh, um, uh, that on last week's uh, backers episode. Yeah. Um, so five billion is an awful lot. It's uh, it's not really an individual billionaire that's going to shell out that. I don't think um, it could be a sports group or a conglomerate, uh, or it could be um, it could be uh, you know some kind of kleptocratic wealth somewhere. You know, so China or Russia or the Middle East. Um, none of those sound particularly good. So no. um, I think, and the Glazers have consistently said they're in it for the long term, um, and maybe they think. We've not hit peak value yet, although I think it may be coming soon. We'll see after the next round of contracts, but that's uh, contract negotiations, but that's about, about three years' time. So I, I, I don't imagine there's any real change there. Uh, I don't think they're pushing Edward Wood to make any structural change. United don't make radical changes. They tinker at the edges. Yeah. We may get a technical director um, at some point coming up. The, 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 the briefing was that they wanted him or her assume him, in before Christmas. Uh, that may happen, but I think it will be a fairly limited-scoped role 
um, looking at uh, looking at recruitment policy, not a director of football that has a wider scope to think about the direction direction of the football side of the club. Um, and Mourinho's going to remain dead man walking. Uh, I think we'll lose six or seven games before Christmas. Um, and then it's uh, it's just how conservative they want to be before they go to him. Anyway, that's a, that's an awful long rant, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, at underscore Taylor Ben says, uh, in how many games have we played decent, entertaining football since uh, Sir Alex Ferguson left? That little run of Spurs Liverpool City in LVG's first season <sighs> are the only games I can think of. Ah, oh, those games, man. <laughs> Those games were so the good, good. The good old days. The good old days. We played some. We played some good stuff um, in Mourinho's first season. Pogba Ibrahimovic connection. Pretty exciting. Actually, a load of those games where we ended up drawing nil nil or drawing one all, we played really lovely football. Like loads of really exciting attacking football. There's even a spell, um, like sort of just before Sanchez came in when Martial and Rashford, like the beginning of last season when we won four nil for ten games in a row or whatever it was. Like there's there's been patches of of really entertaining football, um, like. Yeah, you know, Mkhitaryan making five assists in three games or whatever it was, and Martial scoring off the bench every five minutes. That that was really exciting and entertaining. So there's there's been spells. Yeah, God, uh, all our questions are about the same thing, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, at Yus Raja on Twitter says, when will fans start doing something, uh, i.e. putting pressure on the Glazer, Glazer ownership about the real issues at the club? Uh, talking about Jose and Woodward uh, addresses a symptom and not the disease being owned by the same institutions that gave the world the worst financial crisis in history. I'm not sure the Glazers were actually part of that, although, you know, they are uh, subprime uh, commercial real estate um, uh, owners, of course. Uh, so, yeah, so it's a it's a global macroeconomic problem, not a Jose problem, I think he's saying there. <laughs> well, listen, when you say the fans, if you're talking about a global socialist revolution, then listen, we can have a conversation. But um, no, the, there are two reasons why fans uh, don't, don't do anything. One of them is because um, the issues are complex and nuanced and football does not lend itself to that, which is completely fair enough. That's not what people are in football for. Football is is a kind of escape from the complexities of the real world. So it's understandable that you're not getting like organised, mobilised movements. And actually, you did. FC United exists. Like, FC United, that's, that's what FC United is. It is a response to the Glazer ownership, a way of doing things differently, a different experience, and they've had their own problems, for sure, um, but they exist. The other problem is you actually can't do anything. This is this is the thing. You know, Fans have very limited uh, ability to bring about change. You know, Ed was just saying that we're talking about five billion worth of ownership. Fans putting pressure on the Glazers is meaningless unless we're really talking about a truly globalised, coordinated campaign to boycott sponsors and all this kind of stuff. And that they're just not only is there is that not going to happen. I'm not I'm also not sure it should happen because I think if you're going to invest that kind of level of organizational um energy into something we should probably be talking about like plastic in the ocean or global warming or you know things that are genuinely actually more important than united being rubbish because it would take change on that kind of scale to make a difference here we're talking about millions of people around the world 
Yeah, true. Um, economics rant uh, brought to you by Jeremy Corbyn. Listen, no. right? <laughs> I didn't say that. I mean, I do. That's think, for another I podcast. Do you think we should renationalise the railways? But that's a different conversation. A very different conversation. Of course, uh, uh, in the most capitalist country on earth, uh, America, many of the railways are actually nationalised. But uh, we'll as, um, as, are, as the sports are run like socialist cooperatives as well. They really are. Which which uh, we brought up earlier. Yeah, uh, centralised contracts um, in the MLS and. Uh, a a uh, a um a draft system in most american sports that uh, tries to equalize the top and the bottom yeah, yeah. anyway let, let's talk about n- nicer things uh, every other question we've got is almost exactly the same when will Mourinho go whose fault is it um uh, it, can we just get rid of woodward and Mourinho and pogba all at the same time i, I actually don't think pogba's a problem although he is a very significant symptom right at the moment um lauren blanc's at the end of the season no, says, uh, <laughs> no. I d- you said it couldn't get worse <laughs> listen well let's avoid actual terrible sexists we've just had one Actually, Van Hal's got a bit of a record in certain areas as well. But anyway, that's a different conversation. There are various versions of uh, WTF uh, <laughs> in non-family friendly uh, ways. Been watching the Ryder Cup, says Simon Barlow. Actually, I haven't actually seen any of it because I was out and about and busy and, and working and whatever. So um, I'm not a huge golf fan, but it's normally a bit of drama, isn't it, the Ryder Cup? Maybe I'll catch the last two hours or something like that. I have not watched any of the golf, no. Ever. I once regretted it. There was one time when the Ryder Cup was apparently really good on the one day and Europe came back and won at the end. Also, it's kind of a bit upsetting at the moment to watch Europe do things as a collective. It's a bit like pressing your nose up at the window and thinking about what might have been. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, well, will uh, will the British players or the English, Scottish and Welsh players be part of uh, that? Uh, of course, it's a tour versus a tour. Yeah. Um, but uh, Brexit should mean Brexit, shouldn't it, Paul? Yeah, no more Eurovision. Yeah, oh, God, yeah, get rid of that crap. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, there are all the, the questions. We've got a game coming up. Oh, two. Why Why do Man United not realise they don't need to play any more games now? They could just just forget it. It's stupid. Oh, we're playing Valencia. Valencia are rubbish, by the way. Yeah, they've not had a great start to the season. Um, they uh, beat Real Sociedad yesterday. Oh well, that's good because they they needed they needed a win, bless them. Yeah, drew with Salto Vigo, drew with Villarreal, lost to Juventus, drew with Real Betis. So it's um, yeah, it's been a slow start to the season for them. They're integrating a few new players, and they've got some good. They've got some very good players. I mean, Rodrigo uh, is uh, in the Spanish national side at the moment. Yeah. Batshuayi, we know from uh, Chelsea, he's on loan. Uh, they finally got uh, Gonzalo Guedes, a uh, very long transfer saga over the summer, uh, attacking left winger, young, young, very young player, uh, exciting player. Um, uh, Jeffrey Condobiga, we know, you know, strong, oh, oh. powerful central midfielder. Um, uh, you know, he'll uh, and uh, super dynamic one as well. He'll uh, probably run rings around our central midfield. So they've got some good players. You know, just uh, not had a good start to the season. Cherishev, after his wonderful World Cup, his completely legitimate wonderful World Cup, 
Um, Eskil Garay. Ah, oh, there's a name from transfer rumours past. Uh, and bizarrely... The one that got away. Yeah, one of the hundreds and hundreds that got away. And bizarrely, Francis Coquelin, um, although he's by no means a guaranteed starter for them. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they have more than enough to stop United and uh, do some damage. It's just they're not in a particularly good patch of form. And this game is at Old Trafford and... Oh, forget it. <laughs> I was just about to try and muster some optimism. But like I said, um, you know, if United, I wouldn't have been surprised if United had been much better than they were against West Ham. And I won't be surprised again if United somehow find some professional pride. But the, the, the thing is, that West Ham performance looked like Olympiacos away, didn't it? it um, in fact, I had an email from our, um, our friend in Chicago who asked you last week if, uh, if the... Um, our friend Ryan, who asked you last week if this was Jose Mourinho's rock bottom week at Manchester United, and you said no, and he said, uh, "Do you want to re- rethink that?" Because I think we now we now have to say that it was rock bottom. Yeah, draw at home to Wolves, lose to Derby County, lose to West Ham. Is that going to be followed up by a, a loss to Valencia? I mean, it's, it's hard to say, and it'd be interesting to see what system Valencia played because they have been playing four four two. Back to I. Um, and uh, and one other up front. Right, Kevin Gamero uh, played and scored at the weekend. Yeah. Um, uh, but it might not be him. Um, so, you know, that's pretty attacking. Uh, we've seen a few of their play- players before in, in La Liga and uh, uh, and international tournaments. Uh, we know they, they're set up uh, in a way that could play um, counter-attacking football, could do... Um, of course, United don't really play front foot football a lot of the time. Wouldn't surprise me if if we flip this around and Valencia have more of the ball. That's the way Mourinho likes to play. Um, uh, but you know, it's uh, the, the few things make this interesting. You know, are United going to get on the front foot? Um, because it doesn't happen a lot, and definitely didn't happen against West Ham. Um, and I'd be surprised that Mourinho, if Mourinho reacts that way. But of course, you know, generally speaking, United have a pretty good record in the Champions League at home. Uh, yeah, although like most of that is from when we had the best manager in the history of football in charge, isn't it? So to be fair, like it has not been brilliant since he left. I mean, Moyes got through the group, Van Gaal didn't get through the group, Mourinho got through the group and then lost at the first opportunity. So, you know, um, the the... The thing about having a big long preview about this game is probably by the time most people are listening to this, it's just going to be happening or just have happened or whatever. So um, let's. No, have... no, no. Tom's super, super, uh, super efficient with his editing. Even, so. even if he it, is, it'll, it'll be out on the Monday. If it's Sunday, it's Sunday now. So anyway, even if it comes out, it's not that long. But then after that, we play Newcastle, and I think that is a really interesting game. And I think that is. I mean that it, Mourinho will be very. I mean, imagine if we if he loses to Benitez and gets sacked. The ignominy, the actual ignominy for Jose Mourinho of that happening, given his long time uh, rivalry with Benitez. Um, but actually, I mean, I think Benitez will do what he always does in these scenarios and just go ultra defensive, which I think is so dumb if he does that against United now, because just try and match United, and you'll probably. Like it would, you just don't need to part the bus against us at all. No, that's right. Uh, that's right. It's, it's teams that get on the front foot that get the best results. Look at what West Ham and Wolves have done, and in fact, even Derby County, mm. you know, really, really did push United a lot. Um, yeah, that's that's the way because United just sink into the shell, and Mourinho's happy for that to 
to happen and uh, uh, we our attacking players are not connected enough with midfield at the moment for us to be a threat on the counter-attack either. So it'd make a lot of sense for Newcastle to get on the front foot. But yeah, they probably won't because, you know, you've got... Uh, Mourinho and Fat Mourinho against each other. I mean, I would I would take Benitez at this point. <laughs> oh, no, oh, please. <laughs> the thing please. Of, the thing about it is, I, I'm only half joking because he's a much nicer man than Jose Mourinho, and that at the moment, like I would settle for a base, a fundamentally decent human being in charge of United. And um, the. I don't understand the people that are Mourinho loyalists at this point, and I just don't understand it. I, I I think I know why it's happening, but it just seems utterly baffling to me that anybody would choose to take that position. Truth is. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> They're in the cult. They're in the cult. That's why. I mean, um, look what happened at Chelsea uh, when, it, you know, Stamford Bridge was in flames. Um, Chelsea fans were... Um, uh, you know, putting out banners saying "Get the rats out," including yeah. Eden Hazard, who they would, you know, worship like a deity now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he he manages to, with his rhetoric and uh, the way he kind of circles the wagons, right? Um, he manages to get fans on side all over the place. I, I, I don't. I mean, you know, I didn't. I didn't uh, detect any dissent within the travelling ranks at uh, London Stadium yesterday. Um, I, I won't. I, I can't imagine for a moment there'll be. <coughs> excuse me. I can't imagine for a moment there'll be any disquiet Old Trafford on Tuesday. You know, he's uh, he's gonna believe he's fully supported, um, and uh, you know it's gonna take an awful lot for him to go. Well, um, our friend Simon, a friend of the show, Simon Stevens, was in the away end, uh, and he described it as. Um, uh, there was audible anger in the away end, an end more dissatisfied, more disaffected than he's ever known it. So, I mean, that that I'm sure that that anger wasn't specifically directed at Mourinho, though. I'm sure there was a lot of anger towards the players, which seems to be a pretty convenient. You know, even our friend Scott Republican Mancunio tweeted, "It's not it's not Mourinho's fault that the players don't have any professional pride." And I actually really disagreed with that because, I mean, yeah, that doesn't mean that players shouldn't have more professional pride. But the system yesterday was an enormous part of the problem. Like yesterday is a bad time. That argument, I think, could have been made a lot over the last few like especially this season so far Brighton away a brilliant example of that but but yesterday was was so heavily about the team selection the substitutions the system that it feels like this 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 one is pretty straightforwardly on Mourinho yeah no I, I agree with that one I think there is of course nuance which is uh hard to get to in uh 280 characters yeah. so who, who at Newcastle is going to cause those problems uh Josalu <laughs> <laughs> Solomon Rondon, who's got about three goals in ten years. I mean, Solomon Rondon up against Victor Lindelof. Mm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Um, John Joe Shelby pulling the strings, as as he will do for them. Um, they're just very well organised defensively, and they don't. Very rarely do they get hammered, but they are in absolutely abysmal form. So yeah, lost to Tottenham. Drew with Cardiff, lost to Chelsea, lost to City, lost to Arsenal, drew with Palace, lost to Leicester yesterday. Yeah. I mean they're they're in deep, deep, deep trouble. Yeah. Yeah, their last their last six fixtures is like it's just L L L L D L, you know. That's Yeah. I mean if United lose to Newcastle at Old Trafford, 
<laughs> you just like erect the gallows in the middle of the pitch and just stringering you up at that point. It's like a... Listen, I don't think he should actually be murdered just for being a rubbish football manager. Well, I don't know. I mean, look, there's a nuance in that. <laughs> <laughs> Backers, we have a 15-minute piece on uh, whether it's okay to execute Jose Marine. No, we don't. Um, no, we don't. I, I, okay, so look, uh, predictions for any of these games, what do you think is going to happen? Valencia and Newcastle, both at home. Well, I genuinely think that this... I mean, obviously, predicting games is all, always a bit of a fool's errand, especially it has been in the last few years. But I genuinely think these are some of the harder games to predict because actually the players do have some professional pride in them somewhere. And the Champions League, I mean, remember in the Moy season, the, the players just sort of took matters into their own hands in the Champions League and got themselves all the way to the quarterfinals. I mean, maybe there were more serial winners in that squad than there are in this one, to be fair. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they are sort of fundamentally decent against Valencia. But and, and this is not fence-sitting, it's just the truth. I also wouldn't be surprised at all if they were absolutely abysmal. So I, I, I have no idea how to call it. So I'm just going to say both games will be... It'll be a 1-1 draw and a 0-0 draw. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty fair predictions. What, what do you actually think the team will be against Valencia? Oh, my goodness. What a great question. Um, so I think that he will probably... On balance, select David De Gea in goal over Lee Grant. Well, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good okay. one. Yeah. David yeah. De Gea. Although, unless he's fallen yeah. out of him by then, which is not impossible the way things are going. Um, Shaw is, there's no reason Shaw shouldn't be left back. Um, right back's a tricky one. And what system are we, is he going to stick with three at the back? I, I mean, praised McTominay so much after. <laughs> The West but, Ham game. But he didn't praise McTominay. He used McTominay's name in place of his own. <laughs> like, that's all he's doing. Whenever he says McTominay, just think in his head he's saying Mourinho. Mourinho was brilliant, but there was not much he could do about this game. You know, that's what he's basically saying. Um, I think he will go back to a back four because we're at home. I think he'll play... He might even like go Smalling and Jones, maybe something like something left field like that. Uh, right back, I, I guess if if Valencia was injured, then it'll be Young. But if it was a, who knows? Um, and I don't think there's any chance Dello plays in this game. I think Fred will be back in the side. I guess he'll play Pogba again. Fellaini, so Fellaini, Fred, Pogba, then. Just and Romelu Lukaku and some of his mates up front. No idea who he's going to play up. Front. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I don't. I normally have a good sense. But I just don't know. I, I. I. It's Mourinho's in that kind of mood where it could be anything. I mean, he could be playing Jones at left wing, right? <laughs> the only thing we know for sure is that it won't be Tahith Chong or Angel Gomez in the side. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's pretty depressing, this, isn't it? I mean, it's just standard, isn't it? It's just standard post-Fergie United. Uh, the, the club so desperately needs... The structure of the club so desperately needs a really competent manager in charge. Obviously, Mourinho... Competent manager, competent director of football, no, competent scouting department, sorry. competent general manager or CEO. No, yeah, yeah but, no, that, but the point is, what I'm saying is, because none of those other things are there the thing they need most desperately is a really functional manager. 
like a manager yeah, yeah. who's prepared to kind of be positive and work within the constraints and not spend all his time thinking about how the constraints are ruining his life and you know all yeah, these... yeah no I think that's right so yeah. I, I I fully agree with you there and I think that's uh, that's one of the huge benefits of making the change yeah um and like we had a lot of questions which I didn't read out about who that could be right and and it's a really hard one because of course there are some yeah, um, some people available. Zidane's available. Apparently, wants the job. I have no idea. He's never had to do this. He's never had to do this. He had a very talented Real Madrid squad, and he managed to get the most out of them in in European football. Mm. This is a completely different challenge altogether. And to say there are doubts about a three-time European Cup winner, World Cup winner, and one of the greatest ever players ever to play. Um, is kind of odd, isn't it? But there are because it, it would still be a risk. And their their league form, like. United are probably not going to win the Champions League if Zidane rocks up. Zidane is not going to right. have Bale and Ronaldo to just smash through everyone that they come across. That, that's right. So um, Conte's available, although he brings his own problems. Yeah. I know, yeah, I know. I, I'm not sure we'd be getting uh, attack, attack, attacking football out of Conte. Although I, I think he was, un, in his first season at Chelsea, I think he was unfairly derided as being negative. He certainly got more negative. I mean, he's um, also just such a... I mean, that will just go toxic really badly. There's no way Conte's going to put... A, like you, we saw how the situation at Chelsea just destroyed Conte's ability to cope. There's no way he's going to be able to. Zidane was a, the one of the things that he has got going for him. He was at Real Madrid, which is of course an insanely run club. So you know that he he was there for quite a long time for for a Real Madrid manager. And I don't mean in in the sense of he didn't get sacked, but he didn't leave either. I mean he did eventually after they won the third of of his Champions Leagues, but still. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I, I would love Zidane because he's Zidane and he's he's my favourite non-United player ever. And you know, and and actually, I don't I don't think it's mad. It wouldn't be a mad appointment. I think it would be quite a a sane appointment for the current situation because he's a play, He's clearly a manager who can can coalesce a group of kind of fractured egos and stuff. It's just whether United have the levels of talent in the squad to do anything under him and. I sort of suspect they do. I don't know. Mid-season raid for Poch. He certainly can work within all the, the constraints, um, although Spurs, of course, aren't really making a huge case for for Poch right now. Uh, managed to win yesterday, um, having had many problems uh, this season. I mean, I think there's definitely a case for Pochettino because obviously it's not going brilliantly at the beginning of this season, but... I think that the particular challenge he's facing right now would be very different from coming in and revitalising United and getting them to believe in themselves. I mean, if there's a manager in the Premier League who's got more of a some more like a, a bigger um, percentage more than the sum of their parts than Pochettino in the last few years, then I can't think who it is. So you know, I certainly wouldn't be like disappointed if Pochettino came in. Um, and maybe he's kind of gettable in a way that he wasn't previously. Um, so that that's I think it's got to be a definite possibility. Although I can't I can't really see Pochettino like skipping out on Spurs mid season. That that would seem weird given the way the right. last few years have been. No, no, I can't imagine um I suppose we'd want that or or the manager. Anyway, let's leave it there on that piece of um uh, upbeat prediction, uh, speculation, whatever. It's been a bad week. Uh, it might get worse, I suspect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and we'll see where, what, what the tone of the uh, the pod is next week. Um, so Valencia, then Newcastle, then there's the international break. 
Um, and uh, that could be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll be back to talk about Valencia and Newcastle next week. In the meantime, stay tuned if you're a Patreon backer. Otherwise, we'll see you then. See you then. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rankcast. Sorry, it was super depressing. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by the people who choose to crowdfund us at patreon.com slash rankcast. And if you want to back us at $5 a month plus VAT every month, then you'll be rewarded with a piece of bonus content every week. Uh, this week, we spent half an hour going through the last 10 years worth of winners of United's Youth Team Awards. Uh, the other the other player to win an award that year, the reserve uh, team player of the year, was uh, Cameron. Don't give a <laughs> Borthwick Jackson. <laughs> Does he not? The greatest thing he's ever. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Give a uh, it's well known now. Uh, CBJ ultras are dead, are they? There's no more CBJ no, ultras. No, no, no. <laughs> what he doesn't give a about are riots. Oh yes! Oh yes! Amazing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. West Ham fans trying to topple the United bus, trying to set off explosions and throw rocks. And he's like, yeah, I've got Insta on. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm chilled. He he was so good in that season. Like Defensively a little bit suspect, but his delivery was so good. Uh, you know, Van Gaal was still the manager. CBJ would be playing every week at this point. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, um, on uh, Firewall unfriend- Unfriendly Scunthorpe United uh, on loan. Has he actually played yet? Um... Doesn't look no, like I it. don't believe he's played at Scunthorpe yet. Um, Maybe he's got an injury. Maybe he's got an injury. He was at Leeds. Uh, he was at, didn't really play at Leeds um, much last season, which uh, is good in a way because who wants our players to be tarnished by an association? Of-